Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? So I know we're both pretty good at celebrating each other's accomplishments, but I, I do have to admit, there's one thing you have on your resume that I've honestly always been a little jealous of. You have a band named after you, Mango. <laughs> I mean, that's a, a bit of a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch at all. All right. So, so our listeners will know when we were in college, Mango was playing the keyboards in a band that a few of our closest friends had started. Well, this also happened to be around the time we were trying to start Mental Floss and Mango realized there just weren't enough hours in the day. So fortunately for all future fans of Mental Floss and even part-time genius, Mango decided to keep working on our new venture, and he dropped out of the band. Now, this was also around the time that the band was just starting to get a few more gigs, and I mean, some of their shows were getting, I don't know, what would you say, Mango, like tens of people in the audience? It was <laughs> At least ten. <laughs> it was impressive, but they needed to settle on a name. So they decided to simultaneously honor and throw a little bit of a friendly jab at Mango by calling the group Minus Mango. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure honor is the right term for that. Well, either way, the band ran with it and they had a short but fun run. And I've even heard the band inspired some songs like I think it was Meatloaf's I Would Do Anything for Love and <laughs> Shares Believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, there's only one problem with that theory, Will. And, and actually, there's several problems with that. The main one being that it's not true, but the other being that both those songs came out well before the band formed. Well, I just think that's what makes it so impressive. I mean, that is really <laughs> remarkable. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Minus Mango today. We're here to talk about the origins of some other band names and maybe even create a little hall of fame of great and terrible band names. So let's get started. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hotikader. And on the other side of that soundproof glass, rocking a t-shirt for his favorite mashup cover band. Mango, I don't know if you'd heard of this one before. 
I had not. It's called Beatallica. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's our friend and producer, Tristan McNeil. And, and you know, Beatles songs covered in the style of Metallica, it's not something you'd expect to work, but Tristan played me a few tracks earlier, and I've honestly got to say, I, I really kind of dug it. Yeah, I mean, the way they blended Blackbird with Fade to Black is pretty masterful. Though my favorite probably is still uh, All You Need Is Blood. I mean, it, it really says it all, don't you think? But <laughs> anyway, as funny or clever as cover band names and song titles can be, the stories behind them are usually not all that interesting. I mean, by definition, they're pulled from or, or at least made in reference to existing works by other artists. And while the origin stories for the names of original bands tend to be a lot more interesting, even that's not a sure thing. I mean, take the Beatles, for example. They've definitely earned their place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but in the band name Hall of Fame, <laughs> I really don't think they belong there. I mean, they, they took the name of an insect and kind of turned it into this obvious pun on musical beats. And so it doesn't tell you anything about the group or the kind of music they play. And honestly, worst of all, there's no hidden meaning or interesting story behind it at all. That's right. So for today's show, we're going to set aside the artist and their work and really focus instead on what they chose to call themselves. Even bad band names are on the table, just so long as the stories behind them are strange or interesting. Yeah, and I thought we could do this like we did a while back in that episode where we tried to assemble our own version of Mount Rushmore. And of course, it was so much fun to hear from all the listeners with ideas of what other presidents we should include on Mount Rushmore and why. So we're kind of doing the same thing here. We'll each pitch some of the best band name origins that we had, you know, come across while researching and kind of gradually fill out our Hall of Fame. And, you know, the one thing we noticed while preparing for this episode is how many band names fall into similar categories, whether that's bands named for literary works or bands named for TV shows. So we'll try to limit our picks to one per category so that we end up with a pretty good mix of origins. So, all right, Mango, I'm going to leave it up to you. Where do you think we should start? So I I was thinking about this, and I think we should start with band names inspired by history because those were, you know, some of the most interesting to me and also some of the hardest to choose from. So a few are pretty well known at this point. I mean, you think about, like, Franz Ferdinand, which takes its name from the Archduke whose assassination led to World War One, or... There were lots of other ones I knew that are taken from history. Like, did you know that U-2 was actually named after a spy plane? Apparently, U-2s were used to monitor the Soviets in the 1950s. You know, I'd heard of this term before, but I actually didn't, I didn't realize that. But I guess it makes sense, though. A lot of U-2 songs contain, you know, references to political and historical events. And actually, I was just thinking about one the other day. Isn't Sunday Bloody Sunday about the guerrilla warfare in Northern Ireland? Mm-hmm, it is. Actually, have you watched uh, that Alan Partridge episode where Steve Coogan's like a total buffoon? I have not. And he's talking about this inspiration for the song, and he's like, it's just so relatable. Like, when you're in line at Tesco's and you just think, Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> may, may, maybe that actually is the origin. I'm not sure. That's pretty good. <laughs> but what, what's funny to me, though, is that the band really didn't choose you 2 to make any sort of political statement. Like, they went with it because it sounded ambiguous and also, I guess, inclusive, like, you know, the phrase U2. And also, it was just more interesting than their earlier names. Like, they started out as Feedback in 1976 before switching to The Hype and then U2 within the span of two years. Yeah, it's funny because I found another band that couldn't seem to settle on a name until they stumbled upon an historical one. So you remember Jethro Tull, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they had a hit with that song Aqualung in the early 70s, and apparently Jethro Tull was a real person, just not a member of the band. He was actually this English agricultural pioneer who played this 
pretty pivotal role in bringing about the British agricultural revolution in the early 18th century. And so his biggest claim to fame was the invention of a horse-drawn seed drill to easily sow seeds in orderly rows, which really laid the groundwork for modern agriculture. (laughs) That's just so rock and roll. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You said the band just happened upon that name? Yeah, so in the band's early days, they had this habit of making up a new name for every single gig because their performances were so spotty and most places didn't book them a second time. So after about seriously like 40-something name changes, the group finally hit on this unexpected winner with their homage to an 18th century agronomist. You know, that's the way it goes. (laughs) That's pretty incredible. Well, but Agricultural Roots aside, my favorite band name with an historical origin probably has to be Foo Fighters. So uh, this is strange, right? Because I I consider myself something of a history buff. I actually won Mr. Zippy's History Award in 10th grade. (laughs) But I have no idea what part of history that could possibly come from. Like, were the Foo Fighters Genghis Khan's elite bodyguards or something? Not even close. It actually comes from the tail end of World War II. And this is when the Allied pilots began reporting some sightings of these mysterious German aircraft, and they really couldn't be identified. And so the pilots took to calling these UFOs Foo Fighters. And when frontman Dave Grohl came across the nickname, he was reading a book about UFOs, he actually just decided it was perfect for his new band. So did he ever elaborate on what made it sound so perfect to him? Well, Grohl actually recorded the entire first Foo Fighters album all by himself, but Hmm. he kind of wanted everybody to think it was the work of a proper group. And for whatever reason, he thought a World War II term for UFOs would lead people to assume there was more than just one man behind this music. (laughs) That's pretty funny reasoning. So, you know, I I read this history article of uh, Nirvana where the guys would always apparently remind Dave Grohl that he wasn't in the first iteration of the band. (laughs) So, I mean, it's kind of like telling Ringo he wasn't an original Beatle just over and over and you kind of feel awful for him. But, you know, why Foo Fighters? Like, he could have chosen any word that was a plural noun. Well, you know, Girl apparently came to a similar conclusion because later he said in an interview, he said, "Um, had I actually considered this to be a career, I probably would have called it something else because it's the stupidest effing band name in the world. So I almost kind of want to add it to our list just for that reason. But really, if we're going to narrow it down to a single band per category, I think we have to give this to the Decemberists. Okay, so I I know their songs tend to be very literary and sometimes recount or or maybe pull from historical events. And I do remember a little bit about the Decemberists from a Russian history class I took Mm -hmm. years and years ago. But I think I need a little bit of a refresher. Right. So the historical Decemberists, whose spelling actually is different from the month in the band because it doesn't actually have a third E in it. They were this group of Russian revolutionaries who led almost a, a failed uprising in the December of 1825. And so the group was composed mostly of these young Russian officers and also members of the upper classes who they wanted to reform the autocratic government into more of a liberal system. And they actually took advantage of the chaos surrounding the death of one czar and the ascension of another to stage a rebellion. But because it had been so poorly organized, the revolution was quickly put to an end, and their hope of overturning an oppressive system has really only lived on with the martyred Decemberists now serving almost as a source of inspiration for new generations of Russian rebels. Wow, and so is that actually where the band name comes from? 
Yeah, so that's the thing. It does and it doesn't. So according to the band's frontman, Colin Malloy, the, the name's partly derived from the Russian freedom fighters and partly from the month of December itself. I mean, it feels like you might be cheating a little on this one, Mango. It's, it's, <laughs> it's only a half reference to history. So, so why do you feel like it deserves a spot on our list? Because this is the only historical band name we've mentioned where the reference wasn't chosen at random. So with the Decemberists, there's actually this real thematic connection between the band's name and its music. And as Colin Malloy puts it, quote, I like to think that the drama behind the month of December, there's a group of people who that is their month and they're sort of stuck in this month. And I think that sort of speaks to the songs and the characters in the songs, sort of marginalized, sort of on the outskirts, all living in the coldest month. Well, that is pretty interesting. But uh, actually, didn't you say the real Decemberists were from the nobility? It, it kind of doesn't sound like they were marginalized people living on the the outskirts, as he was describing. Yeah, so they were definitely a minority in terms of openly opposing the system that ruled them. And once their rebellion was sort of stifled, the Decemberists became well and truly marginalized. Most of the surviving members were sent off to remote work camps in Siberia, where their descendants still eke out a living, even though they brought education and culture with them to that land. Well, all right. Well, it's not the cheeriest historical connection, but but you're right. It certainly seems like one of the deepest. And because of that, I agree. And I'll give it to you. The Decemberists deserve the first spot in our band name Hall of Fame. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So, so they probably don't know it, but that's a huge honor. And <laughs> since it took us a while to decide on that first entry, I actually have a category that we can probably knock out pretty fast. And that's best band name acronym that isn't actually an acronym. And remember, REM is disqualified from this one because it really is an acronym. And it stands for... Rapid Eye Movement. Apparently, Michael Stipe just cribbed it from the dictionary after pointing to the word at random. Yeah, probably the laziest way to come up with a band name, but you do hear that happening a lot. All right, well, mm -hmm. I, I guess my pick for this one would be Kiss, I would think. You know, everybody's heard the rumors that the name secretly stands for something sinister. I remember hearing as a kid that it stood for things like kids in Satan's service. But, you know, <laughs> according to Gene Simmons, the name doesn't stand for anything and was simply just this kind of like this idle suggestion from one band member to another. And it was it was Paul Stanley that came up with this. And He's actually gone on record that he chose the name Kiss because it, quote, just sounded dangerous and sexy at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can't argue with the results or I, I guess you can actually. But I, I'm sure some people found them sexy and others dangerous. I think my sister would be included in that category. I know I've told you this before, but my sister is a few years older than I am. So when I was little, I would sneak into her room and listen to her music. But I'd also, of course, go through all of her stuff. And one of the things I remember finding was this shoebox, and it was full of these Kiss trading cards. Kiss I mean, these were cards. hilarious to look at, and I really wish she still had these. That's pretty amazing. But, you know, for my money, the best FA acronym band name is still WASP. Oh, I remember them. So they were a heavy metal band, and back in the, was this seven? I guess this was the 80s, right? And mm -hmm. I, I can't believe that's not actually an acronym. I mean, they even put a period between each of the letters. I know. I mean, I, I guess it's from that era where you'd put gratuitous like umlauts and nonsense in names mm -hmm. like wingdings and whatever. But supposedly it was just because not many other bands had done it at that time. And they hoped it would make them stand out and get people curious about the band. But just like Kiss, rumors swirled that the acronym stood for all sorts of naughty stuff. Like, we are sexual perverts, we are Satan's <laughs> preachers, we all smoke pot. But my 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 favorite red herring of that lot is uh, an answer that one of the band members gave when he was doing an interview. And he said, you know, they asked, what does WASP stand for? And he said, we ain't sure, pal. 
Oh, I like that. <laughs> There's some pretty good ones there. All right. So the periods were just the marketing technique, but what about the name itself? I mean, does it stand for anything or like why wasp? I, I guess one of the band members saw a wasp one night and thought it might make for a cool band name. <laughs> All right, well, I guess you kind of stacked the deck with this category, but I'm still going to give you this one as well for Wasp. So we will add them to the list here. Which is awesome because I'm two for two, and uh, I don't think you have any points on the board, right? No, but don't don't get too cocky. We've still got a bunch of Origins to get to, and I really doubt you're going to be able to top this next one. But before <laughs> I hit you with it, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to Part-Time Genius, and we're talking about the weird stories behind famous band names. All right, Mango, so now our Hall of Fame needs to be the best story for a band name taken from a TV show or movie. It can be either one, and I actually think I've got the perfect contender. Now, at first I thought about Fallout Boy, you know, because I'm always thinking about Fallout Boy, or, or, or maybe not, but, <laughs> you know, they've been this nameless band until they pulled the audience at their second show, and someone in the crowd shouted out the name of Radioactive Man's superhero sidekick from The Simpsons, and it actually just sort of stuck. That's amazing. That's where it comes from? Yeah, it's a pretty good story. So, But but actually, then I thought I'd go with something a little more obscure, and that's what led me to the Bloodhound Gang. Do you remember the Bloodhound <laughs> Gang? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wish I didn't, because they had that annoying song, Bad Touch, and mm -hmm. the video of it was just them in monkey costumes running around town. And I, I guess doing weird, dirty things to everyone in sight. I don't know. It was just art, Mango. I don't know why you don't want to remember <laughs> that. 
Well, there is something interesting I found out about that when you talk about them running around doing weird and dirty things to everything <laughs> in the video. And honestly, that's that the Bloodhound Gang was actually a lot more wholesome than you might think, or or at least their name was. And that's because the band took it from this recurring sketch that was on the old three two one contact show. You know, oh, the one yeah. from PBS in the eighties. I know you were a big fan as a kid. Definitely. Well, the sketch was all about this group of dorky kids called the Bloodhound Gang. And so they'd get together and try to solve these crimes using math puzzles. And that's where they got the name. Now, that's pretty funny that, you know, such a raunchy band would take their name from kids program. But, uh, you know, e- even though 321 Contact Magazine was actually a huge influence on me and Mental Floss, and seriously, mm-hmm. I, I'm, uh, I'm still not sure I want those guys in our Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. I guess that video did a number on you, but, uh, all right. <laughs> I, I do agree with you. No, no Bloodhound Gang allowed. So we got to come up with another one. So, uh, what sort of slam dunk entry do you have for TV and movies? Well, that would be a little band I like to call exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, or, or <laughs> as fans have wisely decided to call them chick, chick, chick. Yeah, and so, chick, chick, chick. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so they're this post punk funk group out of Sacramento. And they actually took their unusual name from the 1980s South African comedy, The Gods Must Be Crazy. You remember this movie, right? Yeah, that's crazy. So for listeners who haven't seen it, it's about this remote African tribe that lives in peace until they find a Coke bottle that falls out of an airplane. And they all start fighting over it. And, you know, it's a funny movie. But I I have to admit, I, I don't know what it has to do with those three exclamation points. Well, in the movie, the Bushman Shoshin language was subtitled as a series of exclamation points. And The band liked this idea of using that to refer to a different kind of sound, you know, one that's hard to categorize. And I guess that's how they viewed their own music. Mm -hmm. Now, because the Bush language sometimes sounds a lot like clicking sounds, I guess, you know, the most common pronunciation is chick, chick, chick. But according to the band, the intention was for people to use any three repetitive sounds and they, they could just choose them. So. You could call the band Bam, Bam, Bam or Pow, Pow, Pow. And, you know, you technically still be talking about the same band. I can give you other examples if you want examples <laughs> of more. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think you've sold me on Chick, 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 and that's going to get my vote. But I have a feeling this next category is going to be a bit more hotly contested. And it's the best band name for somebody who isn't in the band. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of good examples for this. But actually, for instance, you 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 know Alice Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the band was originally called the Earwigs, but after playing around with a Ouija board, it put them in touch with a ghost named Alice Cooper. So they decided to switch to that instead. So I I love that Ouija board story. But you know what's weird is that I I didn't even know Alice Cooper was a band. Like, I thought it was just the one guy. Well, not at first. There was the guy that ended up taking the name and it was the front man. His real name was Vincent Fernier. But after he split off from the band, he went solo and he actually ended up just taking the name Alice with him. Well, I mean, that is pretty cool, but, you know, I prefer bands named after real people. Thank you very much. And and that's why my pick for this category is Pink Floyd. No way. Is that the name of a real person? Yeah, it's actually the name of two real people. So, you know, one of the band's founding members, the legendary Sid Barrett, came up with the idea for combining the names of two of his favorite blues musicians, and that's Pink Anderson and Floyd Council. Oh, wow. I had no idea about that. All right. But that does mean, if I'm not mistaken, that Anderson Council would still be on the table then, right? (laughs) Definitely. So for any nameless bands out there, here's the answer you've been looking for. All right. Well, I I have to give it to you. Pink Floyd is a twofer with that double homage, and and that is tough to beat. But I have one I've been saving, and and I think I want to give the edge to, you know, to my Alabama brothers, Leonard Skinner. 
<laughs> I mean, aren't they from Florida? <laughs> oh, details, details, Mango. <laughs> also, I mean, in terms of fake sounding names like Leonard Skinnerd, like no real name has that many Ys. Right. <laughs> and nobody how many times <laughs> I've written it. I, I don't know how many times I've actually written it, but I never can seem to get it right. But you might have a point because, you know, while the band did take their name in honor of their real life gym teacher and basketball coach, they also tweaked it a little to sound a little bit more interesting. So the real guy's name was Leonard Skinner. And after the band made him their namesake, Skinner reconnected with his old pupils and actually even emceed one of their shows. <laughs> but really, though, the band might have been better off just sticking with Leonard Skinner because you know, their name was just so hard to remember how to spell. And the misspelled version they went on was just so phonetically confusing that even their self-titled debut album, it had this little pronunciation guide. I don't know if you've seen this before, but on mm -mm. the cover of the album to help people know how to pronounce it, you know, just to be safe. That's ridiculous. Okay, so I, I guess you're two for two. I'm going to give that one to you. But this next category, I think, is all mine because <laughs> I found the all-time best band name inspired by another artist. And it belongs to none other than the man who taught the world to do the twist, Mr. Chubby Checker. Oh, wow. So who inspired Chubby Checker's name? So apparently it's a riff on the name of fellow musician and near contemporary Fats Domino. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but the first person to ever call Ernest Evans by the name Chubby Checker was actually Dick Clark's wife. And they met when Chubby appeared on Dick Clark's American Bandstand in 1960. And during the recording, Chubby launched into this impression of Fats Domino. And afterwards, he told Mrs. Clark that his friends actually called him Chubby. And she smiled and said, as in Checker. <laughs> and he just kind of liked it so much that he used it as his stage name from then on. You know, this is one of those that in hindsight, you think about Fats Domino and Chubby Checker. It seems obvious, but I actually had never made that connection before. All mm -hmm. right. So I will concede this one. Chubby Checker should have a spot in the band name Hall of Fame. <laughs> Well, I am glad you're on board because I really like that one. And it just kind of lines up perfectly with an article I read about the science of choosing the perfect band name. Oh, I definitely want to hear more about this. But first, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, Mango, so it's time to spill it. What is the secret to coming up with a truly top-shelf band name? Well, if we've shown anything today, it's that memorable band names come from all different places. You know, some are homages to real-life events and people. Others are nonsense words or appealing phrases cribbed from media or other musicians. And some names come in sudden flashes of inspiration. I mean, others just seem to be whatever a drummer happened to be looking at at the time. And there's really no one fixed approach that works. But there actually do seem to be some linguistic patterns that crop up among the best band names. All right. So what do you mean by patterns? So just on a basic level, most compelling band names have something unusual about them. So, you know, you think about like the Grateful Dead or the Flaming Lips, and those are just these unexpected word combinations that you find together. And when you hear them, they kind of grab your attention. But there's also this other factor that's more cultural than linguistic. And what's that? So this might sound a little strange, but it comes down to the way people connect words and names that belong to a certain category. So, for example, like think about some of the naming patterns for cars, right? Two big ones that might come up are fast-moving animals. You've got things like the Jaguar, the Mustang, even the Viper, and also astronomical figures. So like Taurus or Mercury, Nova, Saturn, Subaru. Like at this point, we're kind of so used to these recurring patterns and car names that any words that fit into that genre, like that rings true to us as a good name for a car. That's Yeah, that's true, definitely. But so are you saying that the same kind of thing happens with band names? Totally. But this isn't something I recognized on my own. It's actually the theory of this linguist named Chi Lu. And one important thing she points out in her research is that these cultural associations that we create for categories of names are always changing over time. So here's actually a quote from her article in JSTOR where she lays out some of these generational patterns of music. She writes, quote, short names beginning with the and a common noun is an obvious pattern from the mid 20th century got the Beatles, the Monkees, the Animals, the Kinks, and, and that's seen a revival in recent times. The heavy metal genre is one of the classes with more obvious linguistic patterns, usually involving death. So Megadeth, Slayer, of course, and other perils such as dangerous animals, white snake, weapons, guns and roses, Iron Maiden, or sometimes drugs and unhealthy substances, poison. All right. So I guess it does make sense. Like when you were talking about Chubby Checker before, it, it lines up pretty well with this idea of these these naming patterns, you know, obviously, in this case, it was picking a name that wasn't too far off from somebody else's, you know, Fats Domino in this case. And so he kind of found that ultimate shortcut to making a recognizable band name. Right. And I mean, that seems to be like the cardinal rule of rock and roll, where the music's always derivative, right? Like it's always pulling from the blues. So why shouldn't the naming conventions be derivative as well? Just copy the other guys. Yeah, it's a good point. It does seem to work. All right, well, I wanted to come back to some of these other names, but I'm not sure if you experienced this, but in doing the research, there were definitely a ton of fun band name origins that they kind of don't fit into a particular category. So I feel like we should take a little bit of time to just throw out a few wildcard entries for our band name Hall of Fame. Yeah, I love that. It's perfect. So I've actually been dying to talk about Dexy's Midnight Runners, and I, I don't think there's any other way I could work them in. Yeah, it sounds like kind of a tough sell. So I 
have to admit, who are they exactly? <laughs> so you might remember them as the British band that gave us the 80s hit song, Come On Eileen. No, I definitely don't remember them as that. I mean, of course I remember <laughs> the song, but I couldn't have told you who sung it. Yeah, well, either way, their naming situation is basically the exact opposite of what happened with the Bloodhound Gang. So instead of being like a raunchy band with an innocent name, the Dexys Midnight Runners were... I guess like a squeaky clean band with a highly suspect name. <laughs> that sounds pretty funny, but I, I think you're going to have to walk me through it because I honestly have no clue what a Dexys Midnight Runner is. <laughs> okay, so the band openly admitted that the Dexys part of their name comes from a, you know, a stimulant called Dexedrine. And this was popular among soul music fans in Northern England during the 70s. And the Midnight Runners part, that refers to the users who use the drug as a way to dance all night long. Oh, wow. So, so, but you said these guys were like a squeaky clean band. Totally. So they were completely sober and they didn't even have alcohol at any of their shows. Oh, wow. That's pretty bizarre, but that's great. All right. Well, I think my wild card pick is an oldie, but a goodie. And that would be the one and only Led Zeppelin. And you can kind of think of this as the Yankee Doodle Award for our Hall of Fame because, you know, just like in that song, the name Led Zeppelin has its origins in something that was originally intended as an insult. Hmm. So the story goes that the Who's Keith Moon was actually invited to drum for this new London band, but ended up being so unimpressed with the other members. And he mockingly predicted that they would, quote, go down like a lead balloon. So then John Entwistle, bassist for The Who, went even further than that. And, and he remarked that the new band would be such a colossal failure that it would be more like a Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Which is pretty harsh, but also kind of clever. Yeah, it was, but maybe as clever as that when the insult made its way back to Jimmy Page and his manager. They actually thought it was so funny that they decided to make it the official band name, though only after dropping the A from Led. And, and the whole reason was to, you know, to keep Americans from mispronouncing it as Lead Zeppelin. <laughs> so I, I don't know whether I should be impressed by how much they cared about preserving like that lead balloon joke at all costs or I guess insulted by how little they thought of American intelligence. <laughs> I don't know. I sort of think it was a smart call. I mean, you remember the pronunciation guide I mentioned about Leonard Skinner, right? Yeah, of course. And I, I guess I understand that desire to make sure your name comes across as intended because the name a band goes with can have this major impact on a musician's career, determining everything from their radio exposure to merchandise design to, you know, what kind of people will actually listen to the songs. And even after the music stops and the spotlight shifts to someone else, a good name can still keep a band afloat in the cultural zeitgeist, so long as there's an interesting story about where it came from. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I was actually this close to talking about Hootie and the Blowfish today. And Mango, it's 2018. <laughs> well, you haven't missed your opportunity yet. It's time for the fact off. And uh, there's still a few empty spots left to talk about band names. All right. Well, dust off your Blowfish, Hootie. You're coming in. <laughs> So I'm going to start us off, and I love it when bands name themselves after songs from other bands as somewhat of a tribute, and that's actually how Radiohead got their name. When they first formed in the mid-80s, they were known as On a Friday, which was the day that they got together to practice, but then five or six years later, when they signed with EMI, they actually changed their name to Radiohead as a tribute to the Talking Heads and their 1986 song, Radiohead. You know, something similar actually happened with the Rolling Stones. So Jagger and Richards first formed the band back in the early 60s. And at that point, they were called the Blue Boys. But huh. the story goes that during an interview with this jazz-focused newspaper, guitarist Brian Jones spotted this Muddy Waters record. It was just sitting there on the floor where he was doing the interview. 
And it made him think about that song Rolling Stone from the same album. And that's where they got Mm -hmm. the name. That's really cool. So, you know, having played in a band in high school or several bands in high school, I, I love stories of groups that, you know, met as kids and kept performing together. And another one of those was a group that came together in the 90s out of Cleveland. They were just in junior high school when they started rapping together. And one day, Anthony Crazy Bone Henderson had this minor crash on his moped. And in somewhat of an act of solidarity, the group all sported bandages and they started calling themselves the Band-Aid Boys. And while that name didn't stick, we now know them as Bone Thugs and Harmony. You know, I also think it's fun when bands don't seem to actually remember their origin or at least their competing stories for origins. And one of these where I saw so many different stories on this was Pearl Jam. And so I, I won't share all of them, but there there have been some claims that the band name was inspired by Eddie Vedder's great grandmother, Pearl, who apparently made this famous peyote jam. I don't know if this is what? true or not, but I thought that was pretty funny. And then it ranges to the much less interesting, you know, one of them that they just liked the word Pearl and then they added jam to it because that's what a group of musicians do. So I think I'm going to stick with the great grandmother story. It just seems so much more fun to believe. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, I know we're not really focusing on cover bands, but there's one that's kind of a cover band, but also kind of a weirdly inspired band called Austrian Death Machine. And apparently they sing entirely in the style of Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) and all their songs are from some of his famous one-liners. So, you know, like, it's not a tumor, which you can actually find on the band's first album, Total Brutal, which is right. That's actually the first album's name. Oh, just the first album. Wow. (laughs) This band is something else. I would imagine that's one of those shows that you're like, this is going to be so hilarious. And for the first five minutes, it's so hilarious. And then it's just torture from that point on. All right, Mango, I don't want to disappoint anybody because we promised to include Hootie and the Blowfish, and I'm here to deliver. I, I'm not sure that we actually did promise, but we said Hootie <laughs> and the Blowfish. We so promised. We did. We promised Hootie. But, you know, I think most people assume that the frontman Darius Rucker was Hootie and mm-hmm. that his supporting band members were the Blowfish. But it actually turns out that he's kind of both, or at least both names came from people that Darius went to school with. So one was this kid they called Hootie because I guess he kind of looked like an owl. And there was a separate classmate that had these puffed up cheeks and was nicknamed Blowfish. So I'm not sure why they decided to combine these two. And I kind of want to see pictures of these guys because it just would make for an interesting story. But it seemed to work. And I've actually got an equally important fact because just recently a friend reminded me that in our high school yearbook, There was a photo of me playing basketball in a game. And for some reason, when I was dribbling, I would do this thing where I'd blow out my cheeks like a blowfish, you know, (laughs) kind of like Jordan's tongue, but much less cool and much less effective, of course. (laughs) When you weren't dunking. When I wasn't dunking, that's what I was doing. And anyway, I was doing that in this photo and the capture under it said, Willie and the Blowfish. So how about that, Mango? Pretty good. (laughs) Well, I feel like you deserve today's trophy just based on that story alone. Thank you very much. And thank you guys for listening. I know we must have left out so many great origin stories of band names. So please let us hear those from you. You can always email us parttimegenius at howstuffworks.com. You can also call us on our 24-7 fact hotline, 1-844-PT-GENIUS, or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. But thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. 
Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy mixy sound thing. <laughs> Jerry Rowland does the exact producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eves Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Do we, do we forget Jason? Jason who? Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.